You know why I did that one? I don't know. I don't know much, Lon. It's, it's like ironic, really, is the one Ooh. that I know. Oh, I thought you were like saying it's ironic, and I was like, you just land <laughs> that one squarely. That is a song called "Thank You." It's because we're what um, a weekish, a weekish, and three days away from the big turkey day. Yeah, lots to be thankful for. So much to be thankful for. Yeah, you know there was a, a spoof that I think it was on SNL. Somebody did about that song when it came out, and they did like about candy though. And it was, <clears throat> I think it was probably Adam Sandler because he did all that songs. But it was like, oh. thank you, Mike and Ike. Thank you, Candy <laughs> Corn. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know. It's the things you remember. Yeah. Anyways, Taylor, welcome back to another week. It was either this or I'm glad you tuned in. Me too. Glad let's, I could make it. Let's tell everybody about the sad reality we're dealing with this week. Okay. Let's discuss it with them. Even though it sounds like you're right across the table from me. Yeah. You're not. That's not the case where are we we are in our separate homes i'm in kathleen's bedroom um she's not here and josh is at his home josh where are you at your home i'm at my house we had a covid exposure yeah we have a covid positive person in our household i don't know if i'm going to violate my own ferpa hippo laws but uh one of our children tested positive uh no symptoms though those of you who um are feeling empathetic thanks for asking Yes, people were so nice when I was in contact with someone who had COVID too. Yeah. They just kept reaching out and being like, are you okay? Can we help? And I was like, I know. so nice. I think I'm going to say that somebody's sick in our family for like however <laughs> possible, like 60 days, 10 days each of us just to keep this going. Yeah. Kathleen was saying that like she just, she actually was, she was not, um, what's the word I'm searching for? She was not around someone who has COVID, but it's like potentially like someone who knows someone who knows someone. Do you know what I mean? Type yeah. situation. And she, she already was, had it though, right? She she's got the antibodies. Well, but there's different strains of it. What? So yeah. There's more yeah. than one COVID? Yeah. Is there like COVID twenty now? I don't know. I don't know how that um, stuff works. No, I think the nineteen stands for like the year. Oh, it came out in two thousand nineteen. Yeah, it started in Wait, 20- no, it started in 2020, though. No, not... Oh, that's true. It was in, like I end mean, of December. Yeah, it was like December 27th. Oh, my something. gosh, we're coming up on a year of it being in human bodies. Ooh, Josh, I don't Probably like- longer than that for the conspiracy theorists. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess it depends on when and where you think COVID originated. I do know that we knew about this disease before humans contracted it. I listened to a program about disease specialists. They go and find these things in rabbit animals and warn us. Like, That's hey, so interesting. I know. I did not know that. I like that. Yeah, there's so many cool jobs. Yeah. Well, Taylor, um, let's get to it. Okay, we let's can round up in. here. Hey, one thing I want since we're talking COVID. Yeah. You talked about a um a possible uh what do you call that vaccine? Yes, um the Pfizer vaccine they're saying is 90% effective. Yeah, I did see that. That's a preliminary study. I listened to a few programs on this. Uh here's the good and the bad. Okay, tell me. That's a preliminary study, mm-hmm. um, which you know, but it's it's um, it's they don't release that information without it being pretty effective. That's a really good rate right. for a vaccine. Now, did you see this though? You... The Pfizer CEO sold off his stock on Monday last week. Of Pfizer? Yeah, it makes me very. Um, I don't know. I, I tend to think where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, that does seem good. But I don't know how you could lie about a clinical trial nationally if you thought your company was going to tank. Maybe he 
maybe he feels like he already has too much money and he yeah that's not it i guarantee you that's not it someone else will get the financial benefits maybe he heard my sermon on sunday and he's internalizing it yeah what if that was really how people lived it would be so lovely well that's not how people live I know. Uh, but that would be lovely. I'll tell you though, if we ever do get that Lillian Cunningham from the Washington Post on, yeah, uh, I think it's the Grover Cleveland episode. Maybe it's either Clo- Cleveland Garfield and who was the other Chester Arthur? It might be Chester Arthur. Allegedly, he was a terrible human being, and there was mm-hmm. just a lady in the USA, and um, we'll ask Lillian her name, and she um, she decided to write uh, Chester Arthur letters about his choice, and is like, you can be a good human, and guess what? What profoundly impacted him, and he started behaving differently because this random woman started writing him letters. I love that. I love that so much. That reminds me of the only time I saw someone change their mind on the internet, which I think I might have talked about on the podcast before. But it was um a lady saying she made them say her Starbucks, her name at Starbucks was Merry Christmas. Okay. So she made them say oh, yeah. Merry Christmas. Like when she went to go pick it up, she was like, what's the name on the cup? And he was like, isn't it yours? You know that it's yours. And she was like, say it. (laughs) And he said, Merry Christmas. She was like, so I made them say it. And then someone in her comment, the comments was like, that's not very nice or considerate. Like, imagine if someone made you say something that had to do with another religion that you you know, you didn't celebrate or whatever. Imagine if someone made you say happy Hanukkah. And she was like, <laughs> this lady responded and she said, that's a good point. I never thought about it that way. I won't do this anymore. Where did you hear the story? That sounds too good to be true. I saw it with my eyes on Facebook. Oh my gosh. You witnessed yeah. it in the flesh? Yes. That's so great. What a redemptive um, human story. Also, just knowing how, how large pride swims in all of us, how yeah. great was it that she was willing to let herself be corrected republic or publicly in the moment and receive it? Yeah. So much more character than I have. Yes. So much humility. Um, the lady's name, by the way, Julia Sand. Julia okay. Sand wrote Chester, Chester Arthur letters because he worked as the Port of Authority in New York. That's how he got his job, his, his power. That yeah. guy, back when tariffs were a big deal, could basically okay. deem stuff inappropriate for being shipped into the U.S. And they would take wow. account of that. So he was wow. very wealthy. And she's like, hey, straighten up. And, and he listened to Julia Sand. Wow. I love okay. that. I want to be back, that. Back to the Pfizer stock. Here, somebody should make a, a movie about Julia Sand is my, my point. That would yes. be a movie people would watch. Absolutely. Yeah. That's an indie. Let's make that movie ourselves. Okay. That's Julia Sand. I'll be Chester Arthur. Okay. Okay. Wow. We're okay. not producers. We're the lead actors. I like this. That's a good okay. game. What do you think? What are you going to wear when you accept your Academy Award? <laughs> Um, I'm going that Jim Carrey tuxedo from Dumb and Dumber. Was he blue? Probably sisters, sisters. There were never such. Oh yeah, you could wear blue. I'll wear blue. We'll match. Sweatshirt. Oh, those dresses. We yeah. can match. <laughs> It'll be perfect. Um. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I also found about the the um Pfizer the vaccine. vaccine. It, unfortunately, the rich people are hoarding it. Like America and Canada, we're buying six or seven more than like six or seven amount of times we need. You know why? Why? We're buying from multiple producers so that in case one doesn't work, we get the one that works. I guess some of that makes sense, but it makes me upset. My body did not like that information. Here's the other thing, though. They said even if every country in the world had the money to buy it right now, we have a logistics problem because the vaccine needs to be transported at 80 degrees below zero Celsius. 
And like, there's not a lot of, there's like not a lot of hospitals in pretty urban areas in this country that could, could do that right now. So could we get it here in Waco or would we all have to drive to Dallas or Austin? I don't know. We'll have to figure that out. I have a, I have a feeling that as a 39 year old male, I'm not going to be very high up on the list. Yeah. I think healthcare workers are first in line, which is good. Obviously they should then, be like, you know, firefighters, police officers, teachers, then you probably, if you're going to just go to the population, start with your older population. Yeah. It, it'll get down to me eventually. That's cool though. Cause you know what? The Lord blessed me with a good immune system. That is I'm good. So, I feel yeah. like, I feel like I've been exposed to it a number of times now and I haven't gotten it. So I, who knows what's going to happen, but who I would knows? love a Maybe vaccine. Maybe have it. Yeah. And I just didn't. Know. But every time I was exposed, I got tested and I never tested positive. Well, Roy's pretty asymptomatic, but he was positive. But I wasn't, I wasn't positive with my I know. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to paint the picture of the complexity. So. It is complex. Exactly right. So All right. Um, I'm excited that it seems that we are getting close, even if it's like not quite ready yet. Yeah. Can I tell you about, since we're talking about COVID, guess what happened in our house last night? We watched this new Pixar film, Jingle Jangle, as a family. And um, allegedly, uh-huh. uh, Google Chromecast or whoever does that, does this thing where you can have like a watch party. So Lindsay played the movie from a yeah. computer to our TV and to Roy's computer upstairs so we could all watch the movie together. And then we live chatted it as it unfolded in front of us. So it was like he was in the room, but he wasn't. Yeah. I, um, it used to be called Netflix party, but now it's called something else. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm just late to the game. This is what happens when I try and be an early adopter. <laughs> like, Hey, I found a Nintendo. Yep. That was 1983, buddy. But Nintendos are cool. Oh, they're great. Still got there. That's so fun. Nintendo. So you guys got to have like a family movie. Yeah, we did. I love that. Hey, um, well, I have, I have a couple things to talk about. First okay. of all, on the West Wing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was just waiting for you to get to the end of season so, one. So, um, muffs here. If you're going to watch the show and you haven't, I got to the season yeah. finale of season one in which Jed Bartlett gets shot and so does Josh Lyman. It's and Josh so Lyman didn't come out of surgery for 14 hours. Yes. He makes it, but I wanted us to start a meal train for him. And I knew you were okay. the person that does that at UBC. I, yeah, I do start our meal trains. So I will start one for Josh Lemon Lyman. Lyman, I will be on that list. And okay, great. We were talking though. This is the comment I made to you. So glad that I'm watching this show now, 20 years later, and didn't have to wait all off season for that. Like, what a what a mean cliffhanger! Oh, some people might die because they've been shot. Now okay, it's over. and you know, I told you I've been listening to the podcast, and Aaron Sorkin said that he did not know, uh, like he knew that the president was going to get shot, but like when they were leaving season one. He had not decided who the other person was that was going to get shot yet. Ooh. Did he know. know that that person might uh, not come back to the show? Was he waiting to see if contracts got signed? I don't, I guess, I don't know what he was waiting for because they do, there is someone that they dismissed from the show who's no longer on the show. After yeah, I know about this. One. Um, after season one? Yeah, it's Mandy. She never comes back. Oh. She, it's okay. I just noticed that. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, she wasn't in every episode, you know. No, so she, 
she felt well and she also botched the um the report that got out on how to beat bartlett i mean very sensible yeah. fire i think it um so from what i've heard is she was supposed to have some sort of like sort of rom- not ro- exactly romantic but some sort of like relational chemistry with josh that janelle maloney ended up kind of filling that role oh yeah um so janelle maloney what a champion what a champion well anyways i'm glad the tensions be resolved because i'm like in uh, episode four now and things are normal oh. um that's so great what's happened what is this episode because it's like the first two episodes are recovering still about the um, what just happened what just happened Toby was very upset that the president wouldn't use them getting shot to go after guns. Yeah. He really wants to go after guns. Um, yes. There's, oh, it's the midterms is what it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which nothing really, I mean, actually all the incumbents lost, but it was like a five, seven split anyway. So nothing changed. Oh, that's anymore. right. It's like um, they come out the same. Yeah. I'm very oh, excited though, because Lindsay sat down to watch it with me today at, over our lunch break. Uh-huh. Hoping she gets into it with me now. Yeah, I hope so too. It's a fun show to watch with somebody. Okay, a couple more things. Okay. Just so listeners know, uh, we had our first um, our first sponsor contact us after the commercial aired. <laughs> they yeah. Were, uh, so thanks to John Singletary they and the School Social Park in. for um, their shout out last week. And uh, John followed up this week to see how he could be a part of the show. So yeah, thanks for not sending us a cease and desist, John. Yeah, we appreciate it. <laughs> hey, I have something that I want you to know that made me feel at home, and it's something we've touched on before. Ooh, what? I love so I've that. Started, I started listening to the Smartless podcast. That's the one hosted by Jason Bateman, um, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett. And Ooh. their second episode they had on um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. And they asked him if you had a different life or like, what would you want to be? And he said something about writing meaningful emotional moments. I can't remember if it was music or I think it was music. And so Jason Bateman said, you should write a musical um, about like space and science. And then they got on this rabbit trail of like the absurdity of the things that get selected to be musicals. And in an example, Bateman said like Hamilton, who would have ever thought that you'd write a musical about it? And I'm like, finally, somebody said, but then they had this whole discussion about how really all musicals are about pretty obscure topics. Yeah. So, you, get a, you get a lot of musicals. It's actually not that strange. You get a lot of musicals that are about books or about movies now, currently. Yes. Not, like I mean, not in like what, you know, what people might call the golden days or whatever, but... So Hamilton is about a book because um, Lin-Manuel Miranda was reading the Chernow biography. And I mean, you know, in recent times, you have both Legally Blonde and Mean Girls, the musical. You got a lot of those Disney musicals. Um, yeah, okay, let's pause there because if you said to me like, oh, let's make Shrek a musical. There's did. part of me that gets it. Um, like that Frozen became a musical. It's like, duh. Right. But if I said to you in 2013, Taylor, there's going to be a musical that comes out and it is going to change the face of Broadway and it's going to be about a very obscure topic. I could have given you 5,000 guesses and you would never come up with Hamilton. That's my point. Yes. Yeah. That's a great point. I never, there's no way I would have guessed that. 
So I just noted the discussion because it's like, oh, I'm not crazy. I just assumed because I was a musical outsider, I didn't understand how this developed. And there was some kind of insider information that people knew in Broadway. Not the case. It is obscure. Well, yeah, I think everything is like at the whim of the, I mean, essentially every musical is just like about some story that the writer was passionate about. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's true. What, so if you could write a musical about anything, what would you write a musical about? Oh my gosh. I've never, I've truly never thought about this. If I could write a musical about anything. I think I, I think, well, I feel like there are musicals about everything. Um, okay. Do you want me to go while you think? Well, I think I would like to write a story of like a just like a woman's life. Okay. You should do Julia Sand, the musical. No, like just sort of like an every woman type situation. She wasn't every woman who changed the country. I know, but I don't want it to be about an actual person. I would okay, I'm going to write a Julia Sand musical then, but that's not what I pick. Okay, great. So okay. Yours would be Everyday Woman. What about yeah. The Waitress? Have you seen that? That strikes me as what that's about. Ooh. Um, yeah, Waitress is, um, also based on a movie, um, and it is about sort of, a a woman. I would want to write a story about, like, someone's life from, like, beginning to end, and Waitress is about a particular story within a person's life. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, like, including, like, childhood, teenagerness being a young woman, a middle-aged woman, I would want to do something that encompassed all of that somehow. That's very cool. That's, that an would, that's a story. That would blow up. That would be on Broadway right away. <laughs> Probably not. But what do you, what would you want to write one about? Well, I would, I would fix my musical in the fictional town of Port Williams, which Wendell Berry created. Ooh. And I would call, I would call the musical, um, I would call it, uh, I might, might either do it based on Jaber Crow's life or Burley Coulter's life. Okay. And I just think the, the ultimate theme would be com- community. The conflict would be man versus nature or humanity versus nature since it's 2020. Okay. But the, the undertow would be like the beauty of the community being together. What do you mean since it's 2020? I mean that we're at a point now where we no longer need to assume that man describes all of humanity, that it's humanity and yes. that um, we're going to f- smash the patriarchy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's certainly true. Um, And wait, what would you say? The conflict would be humanity versus nature. And what was the last thing? I'd probably make like, there would be, you know, it'd be in Kentucky. So there'd be some some bulldozers on the top of a mountain for a mine quarry or something that threatened to come into their space. And the town would gather together to fight the thing. It would be, it would be such a good musical. Oh my gosh. I can see me accepting the Tony right now. One of my favorite recent musicals is set in North Carolina, and it is all bluegrass music. Steve Martin. Wrote oh my it. gosh, that sounds so great! It's so good. It's really, really good. I love it very much. Did it much. get on Broadway? It did. It's called Bright Star. And um, it's not there anymore. But me and Kathleen, didn't, we went to we went to New York while it was on Broadway. No, it only, I think it only did one season. It premiered the, the year that Hamilton really blew up. Um, oh. But it was really, really good. Me and Kathleen saw it in Dallas. Um, it's, really, it's a really, really beautiful story about like a 
a couple uh well it's hard to explain but it's a really beautiful story yeah that is cool yeah well thanks for indulging me on the um what would your musical game be um the only thing i think i have do you have anything um oh well um I keep wondering if I'm allowed to say these things out loud, but it's like my personal information. So I think I am, but I signed, I'm under contract for my house. Oh my gosh. Today, just now, Today, before you saw me, you were signing papers. Yes. You are a house owner. Well, no, 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 no. Sorry. That's not what's happening. I did not close on my house. Oh, you signed a contract. But I entered into a contract. Did you put down some earnest money? Yes, I did. That stage of the thing, huh? Yes. All right. So it's it's not on the market for anybody else. Nope. Now just, you're gonna have the inspections done and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, I scheduled an inspection. It's all it's all happening. It's gonna work. I got a good feeling about this. I'm very excited about it. I do think, I mean, at this point, I would like to purchase it. And also I think my landlord, who is the owner of the house currently, obviously, would like to like like also like for me to purchase it. So it's happening. Well, that's such great news. Yes, um, so exciting. Also, um, just an, and another bit of personal news. Uh, this weekend I went with Bree. I took her, me and Kathleen went with her for her first trip to Trader Joe's. Oh, she posted that on the internet. I saw that. Yeah. So. Wow, that's so great. I've never been. Are you? Really? It's, um, you know, I like H-E-B. I love H-E-B actually. But I don't love grocery shopping. It's not my favorite task. I understand. Um, but both H-E-B and Trader Joe's have like a charmingness to them. But Trader Joe's is like, it reminds me of like what grocery stores were probably like in like the 1920s or 30s oh, or whatever. and now I'm deeply interested in. It's like, it's smaller. They have a lot of like Trader Joe's branded stuff. It's, they have such a wider variety of like produce and stuff like that, you know, mostly because huh. of big cities or whatever. It's like a big city thing, right? Yes. Also, do you know why mushrooms are so expensive in Texas? Um, well, it, what kind? I don't, I can only ever find like button mushrooms and they're like a zillion dollars. Well, I'm guessing that, you know, mushrooms thrive in warm, damp climates and we're more of a dry hot climate okay would be my guess there so it's a um, means of production and distribution thing logistics as they say in the business yeah that makes a lot of sense um but yeah so we went to trader joe's which is lovely i mean you have to go grocery shopping and brie is in our mine and kathleen's bubble um your covid bubble our covid bubble i get your bubble if you're going down you're going down together yes truly um uh, Such a great and human so, family. so it's like worth, you know. So it's like it's fine for her to be in the car with us or whatever. And then you got to go grocery shopping. So we, you know, made our careful way to Trader Joe's and got some groceries. I'm very excited. We're gonna make some delicious things this week. Well, you've been on top of it cooking lately. I've seen some of your Instagram pictures. They're Thank t- you. I really like cooking. Um, and it's a newer development in my life. Because I feel like I learned some things about, like, how to – I think for a while it always felt like it took so much energy to cook and clean and put everything away. And I feel like I've learned some um, more efficient ways of, like, getting all of that done without feeling like it took 
14 hours or something like that, you know? Mm. So that's been really lovely. We have a family recipe we really like. It's called German sausage chowder, which I know. Oh, I'm in. Send that over this way. I will. It's like potato and cabbage and sausage. You know, I grew Uh, up German. You grew up German? Yep. Got a lot of that blood in me. I'm all for the potatoes and the meat. Yeah. I got a double dose because I also was the northern Midwest. So German heritage and new German American heritage. Yeah. So it's one of my favorite. We've my mom's made it like all my life. I think it. I think the recipe is from like a church cookbook or something. You know. Perfect. And um, it's just so good. We should make a UBC cookbook. We should. That would be fun. Yeah, I bet that would sell ten million copies. Probably ten million. Okay, I have two more things for us to get through. Okay. This weekend, Lindsay and I were looking for a movie, mm-hmm. and we both realized in scanning the options we had never seen the movie Almost Famous. Okay. You ever heard of this movie? I have. I can see the like um, picture. Kate Hudson's got sunglasses on the cover. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'd never seen this. It was filmed in 2000, which, you know, because of the West Wing, I'm having like cultural moments where like, oh, yeah, that's changed and that's really visible because of this. Uh-huh. So um, the movie, let me just tell you some of the names in the cast. And they got lucky yeah. because these were, these were not names at the time, not all of them. Okay. Oh, Jimmy yeah. Fallon. Oh. <gasps> Really? Yep. I haven't seen it either. Cam from Modern Family. Uh, Anna oh. Paquin, Rain Wilson, Kate Hudson, Jason Lee. You know that show Earl or You Forgot Me Earl or whatever his name is? Uh-huh. He was in that. Frances McDermott, Anna, uh, I already said her. Zoe Deschanel was in it. Um, and, and then the main guy who didn't blow up a career, so we'll leave him nameless. But um, by the way, Anna Paquin, do you remember when she won? Wasn't she like the youngest person ever to win an Academy Award for the piano? It's like 1992. I was, I remember vaguely watching this. Anyhow. The piano? Yeah, the movie. The piano. It wasn't the movie about ducks? Wasn't she in a movie about ducks? I don't know. I think she won for the piano with her, Holly Hunter, somebody else. Anyways. Uh, um, but, so this is what I know. The movie's about rock and roll. And the movie very much, I'm going to offend some people. I'm not trying to. I'm just narrating okay. what history has seen. Um, okay. That, um, like rock and roll was on the verge of dying, you know? Uh-huh. And I'll say this. I made my sister a 40th birthday playlist. Uh-huh. And all I did was put the number one song from the year she was born, 1979, uh-huh. through that would have been 2019, 40 years. Uh-huh. Literally, the year 2001 on through, I did not know any of the number one hits of the year. Are you serious? Like, music very clearly changed. It's also the year I went to college, so that's part of it too, but... Shouldn't you have in college though? Don't you think you would know the number one song? Well, it was like, no, I was very like closed off from the world. I did not consume. I can't tell you what sports teams won championships those years. It's really weird. It's like, I just didn't care about what's happening in the world. Interesting. I was like in a bubble bubble. You were too interested in what was going to happen in the next world. Right? Yeah, (laughs) there was, I was, I was as deep into theology at that point in my life as I'd ever been. I cared so much. I thought that was everything. I would that just sit around sense. like a nerd and talk to my other nerdy friends about theology for 24 hours a day. <gasps> okay, hold on. I, I've looked up some of these songs now. Number you, one song, Year by Year? Yes. Did you know the song Breathe? Um, just Breathe by that country singer? Yes. It, yeah. Just Breathe. Nailed it. Okay. Wait, no, I think that's that it. That was a 99. I remember working on that or listening to that while I roofed. 
the summer after I graduated. On the roof. That's funny. Um, okay, hanging by a moment. Hanging by a moment, be with, Here with you. you. That one made itself into Christian vernacular. It yeah, wasn't that um, Souls, whatever their name was. Lifehouse. Lifehouse, yeah. You're all I want. You're all yeah. I need. Well, that's the same band, but I think that's a different song. No, I know. I was just I oh, was okay. showing you my range. Okay. Oh yeah, look at you. Keep going. Okay, how you remind me by Nickelback. This is how you remind me. Yeah. What I really am. Nailed it. Look at you. Um, okay. In the club by Fifty Cent. No, no. You can find me in the club. I'm in the club. Yeah. Yeah. Look at you. I was making. Two thousand four was Yeah by Usher. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Nailed it. 2005 was We Belong Together by Mariah Carey. We belong together. You don't know that? Don't know it. Next. Wow. Bad Day by Daniel Powder. Never heard of it. Um, I also going to be a bad day, bad day. I also can't think of how that song goes, but I know that I know it. Um, Irreplaceable by Beyonce. To the left, to the left. Everything you own in the box to the left, in the closet. That's my stuff. Never heard it. Next. Oh my god, that, I think that's a. So maybe it's 2005. My brain shut off. Yeah, and then Low by Florida. Never heard of it. Oh my gosh! Wow. Boom boom pow by the Black Eyed Peas. This. Uh, wait, no, hold that one. Mazel Tov. I don't think. Wait, maybe that's that song. Yeah, yeah, they say Mazel Tov in that one. No, I've got a feeling. Oh, that's I've got a feeling. That's I've true. got a feeling. Woo! One time my brother told me, because I was like, they don't say Mazel Tov every time. They say it like every other time or something. Okay. I was like, why didn't they say Mazel Tov? And Jacob was like, oh, Taylor, they, it's like they deemed it explicit because they felt like it was like um, oppressive to people of Jewish heritage. And oh. I was like, oh my God, I'm, I feel so bad. And then like truly like eight months later, we uh-huh. were in the car and the song came on and I was like, they said Mazel Tov. And Jacob was like, what are you talking about? He and I was like, you to. told me that it was explicit. And he was like, oh my God, I was lying. Have you thought I was, did you think the whole time <laughs> that I was being serious? And he was like, you're so dumb. Okay. Um, 07, 08. No, that was 09. We're sorry, listeners, but you're gonna have to endure this. This is too much fun for us. <laughs> I'm actually having a great time. 2010 was TikTok. TikTok on the clock. I just know the uh, video program from China. Next. Okay, okay. Uh, 2011 was Rolling in the Deep by Adele. Speaking of Adele, did you uh, think that people really liked that on Sunday when I did some Adele? David Redfield seems to love it. Thank you. He was very into it. Yeah. Um, 2012 was somebody that I used to know. Somebody. Some, now you're just somebody that I used to know. Somebody. I want to be somebody. I want to be somebody I used to know. That's a different song. Okay. Or next. maybe you're making it up right now. I don't know. I don't know. 2013 was Thrift Shop. How's that go? Ooh, what a great question. Take me to the thrift shop. It is something like that, I think, but it's really? like... I'm making this way up. I have no idea. Oh, wow. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. I'm, ex- I'm sorry. To all by the, the end thrift. of this, people are going to feel just as bad as you as they do for me with my music. <laughs> yeah. 
And then happy because I'm happy. Pharrell? If you feel. Yes. Wow. Look at you. 2014. I, I just knew because Craig hated that song because it was like, um, I just remember he had a post when, uh, what's that song by the, or that Pixar movie with the emotions inside out. It's like, that was for everybody who's been making us sing happy by Pharrell all year. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that was 2014. 2015 was Uptown Funk. Uptown Funk. Dun, 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 dun. I remember that teacher did that dance throughout the school to that. Okay, okay, yes. Uptown Funk. 2016 was Love Yourself by Justin Bieber. Oh, and if you like the way you look so much. I can't think of the words. Yeah, I don't know that one. And you can turn around and love yourself. Okay, next. 2017 was Shape of You by Ed Sheeran. No, no idea. I just know he was in Game of Thrones once. Truly one time. 2018 was God's Plan by Drake. Ooh, theology. <laughs> it's also the year the Raptors uh, won it all. Maybe he uh, named it and claimed it. Oh, man. Probably so. 1819 season. They took it all. Okay, this is the last one that got listed. It's 2019 was Old Town Road. Oh, I know that one. I want to take my dun, horse down dun, the Old Town dun, Road. Dun. You know what I found so interesting? Dun, dun. Dun, dun. What? Go ahead. So right next to it, they list like um, number one album of the year, and so many of them are Taylor Swift albums. Oh my gosh, that gal has made a lot of money. She certainly has. Well, oh Taylor, um, we need to probably apologize to listeners at this point. I bet they loved it. Let us know: is this good or no? <laughs> Give us feedback. Is this a good way to use your time? If not, we apologize. And you never have to tune in again. And we no, you do. Okay, Continue. we do have one review that we need to acknowledge. Oh, oh my gosh, I didn't even look. We have to speculate. Um, the title of the review is "I love that journey for you." <gasps> oh my gosh! So is someone watching Shit's Creek? And then they also in the review said that they liked my Johnny Rose impression. Oh, <gasps> that's so good. And this individual. I think their name was Elizabeth 2313. Is that right? Uh, no, Catherine 2013. Oh, yeah, Catherine 2313. So guess what I did? It's not what? Catherine Ballas because she spells hers with a C. And this is the K. Yeah. I just went into Instagram and I typed in Catherine to see who popped up first. And there's a possibility, which I know we would both be so excited about. Okay. You ready for my guess? Yes. I don't think it's who you're about to say, but I do. I also have a guess. I think it was maybe Catherine Ellis. Oh my gosh. First of all, shout outs to Catherine Ellis. If she which ever listens. Which I thought you were going to say. Um, you don't think it's her? No. Why not? Well, I mean, maybe it is. My two guesses would be... Um, this, by the way, is my favorite part of the podcast. Us <laughs> guessing who the review is from. <laughs> my, I, I have two guesses. I think sort of my number one is... Kat Reynolds. Oh, good one. Yes, it's Katherine Reynolds, I bet. Yeah. And then if it's not Kat Reynolds, then um, Kat, I'm trying to think of her married name. Don't you think Katherine Reynolds would have done Kat? Um, well, when I type in Katherine on my Facebook, it says Katherine Reynolds. Okay. Um, my And then, um, I oh, okay, I see her married name. Uh, Cat Stevens, newly. Oh married. yeah, cats in the cradles and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. There's a hair shaping. I don't know why Cat Stevens. I used to sing that to her. I think. <laughs> sure she loved it. So I would. Those would be my two guesses. Um, 
I would be thrilled if it was from any of those people because yes. they're all we are very equally cool. enthused about all of those people. And if the other two of you are listening and you didn't review us, go ahead and review us. Yes. Yeah. Just go on. Or everybody in the universe review us with five stars, please. So we can yes. surpass Dax on the internet. Okay, you know what we need to do? We need to break now for commercials. Okay. Hey Taylor. When I want a delicious meal in Waco, you know what I do? I consider two things. How much does the meal cost and how good is the food? Because okay. even if the food is really crappy, sometimes if it's cheap enough, I'll still think it's a good deal in my head. And sometimes if the food's okay. amazing, but it's way too expensive, I can't enjoy it. Well, guess yeah. what? what? There's one restaurant in Waco that has delicious, the best kind of Italian food you'll ever have at the way, oh my gosh, I can't still believe it's this cheap price. Guess who it yeah. is? Um, I don't know who is it. It's Barris Italian Restaurant. Woohoo, so Barris! Step out of Waco right into Sicily. Do yourself a favor, pack up your talents and take them over to some address on Valley Mills, right next to the Goodwill there, and that other um, Mexican restaurant, and go to Barris. Taylor, <laughs> what do you love to eat at Barris? Um, I normally get um, it's called the Shrimp Cardinal. Sometimes I get the chicken, depending on how I'm feeling, and it has. Pasta, pink sauce, and then shrimp or chicken and bell and red peppers. Not bell peppers, sorry. Red peppers. It's well, I'll so tell you good. what I get from Barris. Whenever I go to Barris, I get the um, spaghetti with mushrooms and Italian sausage. And I get it with a pink oh. sauce. And then I get some of that yummy, delicious bread that they give you with everything and some of that salad. And it, it yes. is perfect. It's the perfect meal at the perfect price. You can't beat Barris. If you want a place to go order, call 254-772-2900, or you can visit them on their website at uh, barris.com. I'm not 100% sure that's their website, but you can look it up. Also, please get a new parking lot. Thanks. We love you, Barris, forever so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But get a new parking lot. That would be a dream. Okay, Josh, do you know what's something that I am so, so, so passionate about um a lot of things women's rights feminism come to mind <laughs> wow what a great what a great list um this has nothing to do with any of those things i am so passionate about chicken salad okay? oh great chicken salads are hard to come by too okay right i love chicken salad and like a good chicken salad from a restaurant sometimes feels hard to find but guess what is coming to waco what is coming to waco i'm so excited to know oh my gosh this restaurant called the chicken salad chick is coming to waco chicken salad and, chick right here in waco texas yes and you they have so many different kinds of chicken salad and so me and kathleen the other day we were out getting um from you know from one of our other sponsors we were out getting nightlight donuts and this ad popped up on my phone about the chicken salad chick and how they're opening a restaurant in Woodway, actually. And we went over to look at it and they've already started construction. And chicken salad chick comes with one very excellent recommendation from our very own Lindsay Yaros, who used to work there when she lived in Florida. What does Lindsay Yaros say? She says it's amazing. She's so excited about it coming to Waco. Well, I'm excited too. When do you think we can expect to dine at Chicken Salad Chick in the Waco area? What a great question, Josh. I'm setting my expectations for like um, early 2021. Well, in the meantime, let's just say to the Chicken Salad uh, Chick marketing crew that we're so glad they partnered with us to bring you this episode if it was either this or. Okay, Taylor and we're back. Yeah. Wow. We're just so grateful for our sponsors. 
Okay, if people are still here, after 37 minutes of us babbling about the best songs from 20 <laughs> Every year 2000, from 2000 to And they've endured our commercials, then they're here for the, the main event, which is going to be essentially a part two of last week. Yeah. Because here's what happened. We both listened to the podcast and thought, oh, we kind of missed each other a little bit. And then I also had a lot of conversations this last week that I think helped bring clarity to me. Oh, exciting. Well, I think I'm just going to be a little more bold this week. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and what's happening is I'm working out my emotional self. Yeah, I love that. So if people don't know, they didn't listen last week. We talked about the, um, it was a, the first podcast after the election. Yeah. And what we were doing is we were um, talking about these competing, well, well, let's not pit them against each other just yet, but the themes of justice and the themes of unity and how people yeah. are feeling about um, the, the grievous things that have happened um, in the last four years. Yeah. Did I say that right? Grievous? I think it's one of those words that is like probably there's like a bunch of ways to say it. and nobody You know what I also always get wrong? I get like there's brass. Is that like that's obviously a like metal, but like there's like rash and there's because don't people say brass tacks or something like that? Brass tacks. Yeah. And so I think I conflate a few things. Rash, brass. Oh. But anyways. I, yeah, I digress. I think everybody has words like that that they like can't say for whatever reason. Yeah, or get the meaning right. So anyhow, yeah. we were talking about unity and justice. Yeah. Um, did you want to kick this off or not? If, if not, I have some more thoughts. Yeah, I think you should kick us off. I feel like um, I can think of a few things I want to say, but I, sh- I feel certain that they will be borne out in a conversation. Do you know what I mean? So why don't yeah. you kick this off? Well, one thing we identified last week or you did in me that I think is very much at play is I, when I don't have answers, which is right now, mm-hmm. um, my future oriented self really kicks in and I start planning for scenarios that may or may not come to fruition, which is what I have been doing in this conversation about unity and justice. So I'm going to acknowledge mm-hmm. that on the front end. Okay. Um, that being said, I asked a few people whom I respect, Mm -hmm. whom I think are more educated than me, especially on the political side of this discussion, some of them on the religious side as well. Mm -hmm. And I said, when we have this conversation about justice and unity in light of the election and right now, Mm -hmm. what do you mean about justice and how are we going to try and achieve that? And Mm -hmm. no two people gave me the same answer. Oh, that's so interesting. Which is not to indict anyone. Like they're all under the same banner of care for marginalized peoples and the wrongs that they feel like have been committed over the last four years. Mm -hmm. But this is part of what I'm trying to articulate is that I don't think there's a unified vision about this. And I don't think we know what is meant right now collectively when we say we want justice. I find that so interesting because um, it seems to me from your reaction to, or I mean the way you even said those words that that to you seems um uh like negative or disheartening or is that a misread of what you're saying that's a concern okay i find it energizing you know um i mean i'm not you don't know obviously uh that's exciting to me that everyone is like so full of ideas about where they would like to lead us when it comes to pursuing justice um i wonder if that's like a future present orientation thing 
Maybe. Because that's interesting to me. I, I like that that could be invigorating and we probably do need all these perspectives and voices and differences. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of injustices that have been happening. And so, but I also, I mean, I see the point, which is to say that like um, without a single legislative focus or something like that, it can be hard maybe to make progress. But it's yeah. like all these, all these things have to be addressed. Um, I think they so. need to be addressed. I think there needs to be a clear vision of what's being asked. And I think then there needs to be a political plan to achieve those things that whether or not people like it or not is going to have to be enacted legislatively by both parties. Right. Because that's how our country works. Like parties um, have to work together. Yeah. So, I, you know, I always, A, I get there, I get ahead in the future too fast. I also... I'm always concerned about methodology because I'm only interested in what works, which is now is the best right. thing. Nobody's going to have me come speak in and liberate the group on emotional well-being, right? <laughs> I mean, I do think being concerned about what works is like a necessary concern. Um, it is interesting, though, you know, that's come up a lot in this season with like COVID and um, – finding a vaccine like there's been a lot of criticism of like the scientific community because people don't understand how science works which is to say that like you have to just try and fail until you get it right um so you know i think there's always multiple ways to look at things which is to say that like getting it right is important obviously because that's the thing that accomplishes what you want to happen but, you know, I think we culturally and societally do not always value the journey, the parts of the journey that include failure, you know? So I don't know. I don't, you know, I think there's something sort of valiant in the trying as well. Well, thank you for saying that because I think that that's a very important component of the discussion. And one I'm open to learning from is that the, if the strategy is failure – and that's deemed worth it? Well, I don't know that the strategy is ever failure. Like well, nobody, I think like I last like week when I was talking about the prophets all die, Jesus was crucified, MLK was shot. Right. Um, I, the people who have power in this country aren't going to give it up easily. Right. And there are still systems that are benefiting people with power that have white supremacy embedded in them. Right. Absolutely. And I, those aren't going to be giving, given up anytime soon. And so... I think this is, I also had an epiphany this week talking to somebody else about how I think I can articulate all this better. Okay. Here's my concern religiously. Okay. Okay. Like I'm taking my cues from the gospels because okay. I'm a Christian and Jesus is Lord of my life. Okay. Right. So um, the, the big difference I see is that when Jesus and the disciples and the early church appropriated this in the Jesus way, Mm-hmm. Not only did they not have power, there was never any notion that they were going to have any kind of power. And the change that they were able to affect was self-sacrificial, um, lose my life, Calvary love, okay? Uh-huh. So like, I feel like that's the script we've inherited, mm-hmm. and we want to use and borrow the language of justice from that script. And let me make two points, just because people may not believe me. So I was thinking, Tertullian said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. That's why the church grew. Like Origen writes about that scene when the Black Plague broke out in the first three centuries, and the Christians would run and care for dying people at the expense of their own life when, you know, famous doctors were going to their beach houses in the Caribbean, okay? Or not the Caribbean, the Mediterranean. 
right? right. It's that kind of love and sacrifice. That's what changed the world. Uh-huh. So not that we shouldn't seize the moment of now having somebody in office that we think can help us enact this justice we want. But mm-hmm. I just want us all to admit that's a different kind of power mechanism to achieve the justice than the story we've been handed. It's not to say we shouldn't do it, right? This is like Niebuhr versus Yoder. There's a Christian tradition that would say, no, you take advantage of that. But I just think when push comes to shove, there are going to be some hard questions for people to answer about the use of military and policing and other things that is necessarily going to make it hard to square for the kind of justice we want with the means that we think um, we want, which I don't think can be Christian anymore. Yeah. That was like a mile high look at the problem, but that's, I think, the thing I'm feeling. No, I'm totally with you. And the other thing was, I don't remember who said it, but I was reminded this week, somebody said when Jesus disarmed Peter in the garden, he disarmed the early church. Yeah. So like, I, I, maybe what I've discovered this week, I'm not, I haven't disagreed with the, the justice anybody wants um, at all. I just am curious about how we're going to get that done now that we have, quote unquote, the power, so to speak. Uh, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm finding myself in an interesting position because um, I don't think of the presidency as a means of like um, the church or Christians. Um, uh, creating justice. I think that, you know, as we said last week, we both voted for Joe Biden. I am very encouraged by the idea that Joe Biden will be our president and that Donald Trump will no longer be our president. Um, mostly because I think that, you know, and obviously everyone has different opinions about this, but I think that Joe Biden seems to be a kind, hospitable person. And then the atmosphere for creating justice on, in a Joe Biden presidency is more hospitable for Christians to pursue and create the justice that the world needs. I do not imagine Joe Biden or the Joe Biden presidency. um, I mean, like, do I hope that it will create justice in the world? Yes. Do I imagine that it will create justice in the way that I see justice in the way that like, I think the, you know, that the way of Christ calls for justice. Um, I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know whether or not that will happen, but I'm not, I don't see the Joe Biden presidency as like a win for Christians or a way for Christians to create justice is like through the presidency or the government. Um, It's just that it seems uh, that the environment for Christians to be able to do those things is larger or more hospitable or whatever. Yeah, that makes more sense to me. Um, if the audio seems different to everybody, I moved because our internet was getting bad. I'm going to move my computer. So I'm in an echoey room now. Um, well, and you know, I think that makes sense too, because when I started surveying people and saying what kind of justice or um, so somebody requoted Austin Channing Brown, where it said, you can't hug your way to justice. So I messaged them and I said, okay, what are the means to justice then? Like and trying to ask that sincerely. And they wrote back and said, well, reparations, a change in school curriculum, and gave a list of very helpful, practical things. And yeah. I saw those and I thought, oh, that's great. None of those compete in my mind with unity either. Right, right. Um, but also made me think maybe I'm framing the problem the wrong way then. 
Do you feel like there's been a large change in the way that you've framed the problem over the course of the last couple over like do you feel like in those conversations you the you've learned to frame it differently? Is that part of what has happened or you mean this week or in general? This week, yeah. Um, well, I'm not done with my own mental work on this. Okay. I do think like because when they said those things about reparations and everything, and I said I thought to myself, well, yeah, but that's all been on the table already. Like we were talking about those things in a Trump presidency, or at least the base that um, wanted him out, right? Yeah, but we were never going to know. I mean, like, I don't know that reparations will happen in a Joe Biden presidency, but I hope they happen. But do you think there was any way that they were going to happen in a Trump presidency? Like, I just think that like, um, no, but here's my point. Okay. So the Senate, the Senate is allegedly still for sale, right? Like it's not decided yeah. yet. Right. Okay. I think even if you get two more democratic senators, right. and vice president Harris is then a deciding vote in these things. Mm. I think because the very real power structures of wealth and, um, reelection concerns are at play. Mm-hmm it's going to be hard to get any of that stuff done regardless of who is president. Yeah. I, um, as soon as I spoke, I realized, I think I framed the more important part of the conversation incorrectly, which is to say this, you said that you don't see reparations or school curriculum. Um, you don't see those things as in conflict with the idea of unity. And I also don't see those things as in conflict with the idea of unity. But there are people who do see those things as conflict with the, with, as in conflict with the idea of unity. This helps me get to, I think, finally the nuance that maybe we need, or I need. Um, okay. Yes, they're not. Insofar as that has been the desire of people calling for justice before there was a change of presidency. Okay those ideals were also at play in this election. And I don't mean those ideals specifically, but I mean a general sense of what's right and wrong for this country. Right. We're at play when 77, whatever, 8 million people voted for Joe Biden and 74 million people or 70 million voted for Donald Trump. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now that there's been a switch of presidents, those subtleties and powers um, didn't change at all. They're just still there. There's a different um, head at the, the head of state right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but, I mean, just for the record, I have seen a lot of Republicans saying like Joe Biden is not the president yet. So, for the record, there yes. has not been there. We don't have a new head of state. But so, assuming that this the transition happens peacefully, and we're right. speaking about this in late January, okay. Right. Um, that being said, I still think that for effective change to happen the way we want. There is going to have to be a kind of political partisanship that is going to take relationship, an invitation that um, needs unity. Yeah, definitely. And so that's why I think I'm more thinking about unity right now than I am justice. I think unity is a necessary prior step to achieving the justice that we want. I think if I were a politician, I might feel that way. But I think uh, I'm not. And so what I mostly come up against is like people telling me 
that they don't think systemic racism exists or people telling me that they don't think they should have to use the pronouns a person wants them to use um, or people saying, you know, that it's very clear in the Bible that God hates homosexuality. Yeah. And Okay, but again, with all of that, like to go back to my point about 76 million people felt about that one way before the election and 70 million felt the other way. Uh-huh. Again, that's all still at play. That's not new. Like we know why the bases feel the way they do and why there's so much animosity. Sure. But it's not that the right doesn't know what the left wants. So I don't think the, the charge to um, educate people on those things has ever changed. I mean, we talked about this last week. Um, I don't know that we did on the podcast, but like uh, maybe, I mean, yeah, sure. I I feel compelled now more than ever. Okay. Um, but let but me, like, is oh. it you feel more compelled because of the vote? Well, I wasn't done. Um, <laughs> I feel compelled now more than ever. Um, that like, you know what's not working is me tiptoeing around someone's feelings. Like, 3% more of white women voted for Donald Trump in 2020 than in 2016. And so what hasn't worked is me trying to say like, um, let me be as palatable as possible. You know, um, I would like to be palatable. I would obviously kindness is literally always my goal, but like what I'm not going to do is not say like, Oh gosh, I feel nervous. Um, but when someone says to me, like, you know, it, it's obvious in the Bible that God hates homosexuality. I'm not going to say that is, I'm not going to say like, um, that's fine, <laughs> you know, or like, I guess you can interpret it that way. I'm going to say like, um, well, I suppose that is one way to read it. There are many other ways to read it. And when you say that it's obvious and like that I'm not a Christian because that's not how I choose to interpret scripture, I'm not going to let that sit on the table and not call it for what it is, which is not the truth. So clarifying point. Uh-huh. Um, this is what I was trying to ask a second ago. So when you, like you said now, what I've realized, I'm not going to tiptoe anymore. You mean now because you saw the data come in on the votes? Yes, that's part of why I, I mean, like, that's part of why I feel compelled now more than ever. That's like, when somebody says, like, well, racism doesn't have anything to do with Christianity. I'm not going to just be like, well, that's one way to think about it. I'm going to say, no, we are all created in the image of God. Every single person you have ever, ever, ever met is created in the image of God. We should all be very concerned. And when I use the word we, I mean Christians. We should all be very concerned with racism, both intrapersonally and systemically. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm just going to ask all the questions. Okay. So you like the tiptoeing didn't work. It did not. Is the new posture going to work better? Well, I don't know. I know that's, I know that's the whole thing, right? For you is like, 
I wish I could say yes for sure. And well, and I should say, even if it doesn't work better, that's not necessarily a reason not to do it. I can concede that. Yes, exactly. But I think for me, it's like, okay, let's, let's step back and define the goals though. Let's trace out the trajectories, think about the consequences and make sure we'll live with the consequences. I think maybe though that we, I mean, I think what it comes down to is that we might have different goals, which is that like, um, I do think my goal is to speak the truth as kindly as I can in every moment. And I'm not much concerned with like, um, I, I have had to give up being concerned with whether or not it's going to change people's minds and hearts because I was concerned with that for just like 33 years of my life and it did nothing. And more white people than ever voted for Donald Trump in 2020. So I need to pause here. This is probably out of my own ego. I want to remind everybody, you and I are on the same page in terms of. Oh, absolutely. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I, I do actually feel I've been very aggressive. I don't know why or where it came from. And like, we should maybe talk about if we'll air all of this. Um, well, I think we both have had strong emotions and we're not reacting to each other. No, I'm not mad at Josh at all. Yeah, we're, re- we're reacting to a problem that we think needs solving and we can't quite sure figure out. So, you know, I, talking about the goal again, I think I could even like, honestly, I think I don't get to decide what the goal is. I don't think white people get to decide what the goal is. I think people on the margins should probably get to decide what the goal is. Um, I think what I'm wanting in this voice is just to give a clear voice to what could be the outcome from these strategies. And if we all say, yes, that strategy could bring about that result that still feels worth it to us. Let's try. Then I'm like, okay, you heard my objections. Let's go. So do you want me to give some concrete teeth to that? Yeah. Um, yeah, certainly. I do think that's like a communal way to think about it. And I do want to hear some okay. concrete teeth. And that's but- a good point. I think you're talking more about individual exchanges where I'm thinking about the masses. Yes. So like, let's say we could gather the whatever caucuses of the world or of America. Okay. And be like, Hey, we're going to pursue justice. Mm-hmm. The thing I'd want to say is, okay, let's not be schmarmy. Let's not reach across the aisle. Let's be aggressive in our speech. Let's take stands. Um, It's certainly probably going to um, isolate the 70 million votes that we just saw cast. I have a concern that of the 45 million independents that voted, some of them, especially in the hundreds of thousands of votes that went for Um, Joe Biden, this election will be swayed the other way in the next election. So as long as we're okay with the fact that this aggressiveness may mean we have another homophobic racist in the White House in four years, if we look at that and say, this is worth it, then I'm like, okay. Um, I do think there is um, value to expressing the truth. And if, if, um, and, and maybe that's wrong. Maybe there can be aggressive approach. Maybe there can be um, this non reach across the aisle or whatever you want to phrase it. And that won't happen. Um, I just think that that is a risk that could happen. And that concerns me. So to further give that picture, you sent me that thread about the person who was upset that Biden and Harris were using language about, uh, reaching across the aisle and being present for all of America. 
I don't, yeah. Um, I want to go back and read that thread because, okay, um, keep, keep going. Right. Make your point. Well, that's just, I mean, and that's the kind of subtleties I'm talking about is, yeah, I, I in no way want us to pretend racism isn't real and stop speaking against it and all these things that to me seem fairly obvious. But that's what I mean. We were doing that before. That's not what's new. What's new is now that the power has shifted, the people who have power are going to choose to a posture towards relationship that I think could be detrimental in a way that has political consequences in four years. That's dire. You think that's what was happening before <laughs> is that people were calling out racism. Um, the people who think that racism is a real problem in the U S before. Yes, I do think they were. Yeah, they were. I mean, yeah, they were already doing that, but the people who didn't think it was a problem were not listening. And they're not going to start listening now. I guess for me, what I think of mostly is the fact, right, probably that like if someone is in deep relationship with a person of color, it doesn't mean that they are not racist, right? Like you can definitely be racist and be like, I have a black friend, right? That I mean, that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. But if someone is in deep relationship with me, they might not be in any deep relationships with a person of color. Mm -hmm. And so while they have, if someone is in a relationship with a person of color, they have touchstones of how that person is being treated, right? And they, are, they might be experiencing or seeing or hearing the racism that is happening to them um, just all the time. But I have access to people who are not in deep relationships with people of color. They are only in deep, impactful relationships with white people. And what I think has happened is that white people or cis people or straight people or rich people or powerful, powerful people have not been calling out their own. And so, no, I don't think, like, I was necessarily doing my part to call out racism in the other white people that I know. And I don't think white people do a good job of observing racism culturally, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's all true. And so. I'm discovering maybe that, again, the difference is I've been thinking about this as sort of a macro level and you've been thinking yeah. about it more. Well, a... <laughs> I think that's standard for us. That's our theme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I got, I mean, it, it did feel good for me to be able to articulate that. And I think having gotten to do that, I can hear you. Yeah. Because I wasn't hearing you before. And so, and, and also I think mostly that also, I think, um, I'm just not, I don't think that often. Well, it's the same thing as what we we're talking about earlier when I'm talking about Christians and our ability to pursue justice, I'm not that concerned. I mean, I just don't really have much faith that like the president, even if that's a person I, whether that's a person I agree with or disagree with politically is going to 
enact justice in the way that I want justice to be enacted. I think that it's my responsibility to join up with other people, other Christians, non-Christians, to make that happen. And it's the same. And so I'm thinking mostly about what is mine to do. And I think I feel the same way in this conversation. I'm thinking about what is mine to do. And, and, I, and I think for me, the choice to like center the voices of oppressed people is a choice that I have, you know, been trying to make myself. And um, so I, when I'm thinking about who is going to lead us, I'm not really thinking about myself. You know, so when I'm thinking about what's the group's responsibility, I'm not much thinking about that because I trust other voices who are already leading in those ways and I will sort of pursue the group agenda. Um, I am mostly thinking about myself and what I am capable of doing in my personal life. And that mostly involves personal conversations with people. And again, I would like to say I... I do feel that I've been very forceful in this conversation. I think I forgot the microphone was on it a little for a little bit, but like um, kindness is always my number one goal. Like I always strive to interact with people with kindness, but I don't think being passionate is against kindness. Do you know what I mean? And so, um, and I also don't think that, um, I said this last week, but like telling someone the truth, like saying to someone like, no, we all like all of us as white people participate in systems that um, privilege us over other people. And we have to know about that privilege. We have to actively work against that privilege and we have to use that privilege when we can. And that it's actually my responsibility to say that to people because I think participating in racist systems and being racist interpersonally is bad for people. Like, I think it's bad. It's bad for people's souls to do that. And so it is not just out of care and concern for the people who are being oppressed, although that is, of course, my number one goal all the time is to be working for justice. But a secondary, although equally important goal is to help people um, in the privileged class understand that it is bad for them to participate in systems that oppress other people. And so it's not just like, it's not because I hate them or that I'm mad at, because I'm mad at them that I'm telling them that. It is actually out of care and concern for them that I am trying to communicate that. Well, I'm just too compliment you knowing you i have never i never feel like you are motivated by much besides kindness so well even when that eight hammer comes down on me i think you're doing it out of love did you feel that did you feel that happen just now is that how it felt or no no i like i said i the the sign that we have a good relationship in my world is if that we can fight a little bit and i don't have to think twice about the safety of the relationship which is not the case with you so I, I also listeners when I chuckled at Taylor, um, I hope that didn't feel disrespectful. I was in, appreciating the fact that we were getting a little feisty, and there <laughs> yeah. was some um, talk to the hand, you know that kind of thing. So, because <laughs> face don't want to hear it. Um, yeah. Well, I also have to apologize. The, the recording is going to be a little choppy in places. Oh, well, yes. I think that'd be okay. 
And we're going to have to listen to this. I'm not sure everything I said I want on here. I really, I would feel like you said. Well, I feel like we probably both feel a little nervous. Unguarded is good. It's actually what's worth listening to. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that I'm committed to all the thoughts I've articulated here, but they're, that's what happens when you do things while you're in process still. Yeah. I feel similar. I, I think I feel, I think I feel committed to everything I said, but it is kind of like, Ooh, there are moments where I'm like, did I say it exactly the way I mean it? You know? Well, people lose jobs over a lack of nuance. So I'm just leaving room. I could have said some things better. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Same here. Yeah. Um, were there any other, were there any other thoughts that came up for you this week in your conversations? I think that's the most of it. Um, you know, one person just said very concretely, he's an Anabaptist pastor that he thinks like for some of the people that got in bed, even with the really ugly parts of the administration, mm -hmm. there needs to be some repentance and reconciliation before there can be handholding. Uh, the thing I liked about that is it was a solution given to me in theological terms, which my first love is the church, not the state. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, that makes sense. And that is like real concrete. And that makes sense for me of the unity versus justice piece of this. Uh -huh. So, yeah. Yes. Yes, that is good. I looked up the Twitter thread uh -huh. and this may be a nuance that is too. This is about calling out Biden and Harris for speaking about unity in this moment. Okay, that's why I looked it up. I don't think that person was calling out Biden and Harris. Okay. Anyone, everyone I've spoken to has said that, like, um, I mean, Joe Biden has to say, I'm the president of all of the American people. Yep. That's just, like, the factual truth. I think this guy was calling out other people for leaning too quickly into that language. Hmm. Um, I don't think he was specifically criticizing Biden and Harris. Yeah. Um, but that's my read. You'll have to go back and tell me what you think. Um, I do think for me, what as a you know, as one more thing for us to think about, my concern, uh, in Obviously, we've both voiced our commitment to unity. Some of my concern with uh, some unity language, though, is that, like, it equivocates about the, like, oppression that people have experienced and um, the, like, maybe anxiety that somebody who um, is more conservative or more a Republican or someone who voted for Donald Trump um, is feeling, which anxiety is a perfectly normal human experience, especially when like the candidate that you voted for, the candidate that you understand loses. Like it's norm. That's, it's a perfectly normal human reaction. And also something that I think we as like community members, church members are called to care for, you know, to care for, and love people who are experiencing anxiety and help them experience that and move through that. But I do think it's dangerous equivocating that anxiety with like 
racism and homophobia and oppression. Um, and so I think sometimes that is one of my concerns is that to say like, we are, we're working for unity. I mean, I think some people in saying like, we're working for unity, try to say like, everybody is experiencing a similar thing. And it's like, that's not really the case. Yeah, no, that's true. Everybody's experiencing the same kind of pain. Right. Which is, again, which is not to say that, like, if you voted for Donald Trump, you're not experiencing real anxiety. I believe that that is probably the truth, you know? But um, that these are all, you know, these are all different things. And that the pain of... uh, oppressed people groups long oppressed people groups is like um you know not something to like uh, say to like say like well these are the same these are the exact same things we're experiencing um so i do think that has been a concern of mine um Uh, just as far as language is concerned, you know? Yes. Very fair. Um, and important to be said. So thank you. Um, we are well over an hour now. Wow. 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 Wee wow. So I'm going to cut us off and I'm going to need to listen to this to edit it. So, <laughs> all right, Taylor, thanks. Hopefully this is the last week we have to do this on zoom. Hopefully so. All right, friend. See you in the future. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye.